WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 105, All About the Hobbit, Chapter 17, The Clouds Burst, Part 2, being the 105th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Cam and Maggie of the Second Breakfast Podcast. Except for this is part two of that conversation, so they're not going to jump in and be like, hi, yay, we're happy to be on here. Uh, So if you haven't listened to part one of our conversation about this climactic chapter of The Hobbit, go back and do that now. It came out last week. It's episode 104. And then come back and listen to this episode where at the end, towards the end... There is a very special announcement, so make sure that you don't fast forward through that part because it's very important to listen to and very cool and exciting. Um, So without further ado, here's part two. Oh my God, that rhymed. And then all of a sudden, there is a black cloud and it says winter thunder on a wild wind rolled roaring up and rumbled in the mountain. Wow, I did not realize how. I I literally, I love this sentence. I marked it. I was like, (laughs) this is an amazing sentence. I loved it so much. I could not read it out loud as well as you just did, but it's a great sentence. And you know how (laughs) we were just kind of like making fun of Tolkien in those moments where like he'll go off, you know, I mean, we just blasted him for 15 minutes. It's about Tom Bombadil, you know. Yep, never stop doing then that. Then he has these moments where yeah. he yes strings together words in such a like fantastical way that yeah. is just so you know like no, no other author does this or you know has done this, and he doesn't need to do that. Like he's already describing that. Like he's already like built up like set the mood with all the description of the clouds Mm -hmm. like he knows how to set a scene really well so he doesn't even Mm -hmm. have to do this but he just does it and you're like this is like it's like a song like that's what a lot of his really like on point writing feels like is like it's a like it's a song and i think his love of songs and his inclusion of many many songs makes sense there um yeah there was we we talked about fellowship as being sort of a horror story because we loved the black riders you did i did not i, w- I was looking at it like <laughs> i want to be clear <laughs> like like the black riders are the like it's a slasher movie and they're stalking the heroes through the book and there they are appear, horror elements to be sure yeah and they appear every once in a while and this moment like i got whiplash like you're talking about with the way the battle just starts. It's almost like he turns it into a jump scare and then everyone's mm. surrounded yeah. and you're in the middle of a battle that didn't happen a second ago. Yeah, exactly. It's it's such stunning writing. And it's why I think when we dump on the mediocre chapters, it's because we know how good he can be. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So just, I don't know, be honest in both directions. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that's exa- yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I try to do. Find a good balance. Yeah. At least I hope it's a good balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, people maybe have stopped listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Winter Thunder... Winter thunder on a wild wind rolled, roaring up and rumbled in the mountain, and lightning lit its peak. Love it. Dang. Love it. Um, Yeah, so something something wicked this way comes. Truly, yeah. (laughs) Um, And at first, I was like, oh my god, is it Smaug? (laughs) That would be amazing, because Uh that's something that I have really been just like super curious about and mm-hmm. again talking about how like Tolkien sometimes the things he does with his narrative mm-hmm. structure doesn't really make sense and the way that he had the dragon be killed mm-hmm. in the book 
he gets killed by a random villager that we've never met before, yes, you know. Exactly. Um, and then there's still, you know, sixty pages left after that. And it's like, well then what what else is this book about if that's not gonna be, you know, if the killing of the dragon isn't gonna be a part of the climax, then you know, what is? Truly, yeah. Um, so I was like Oh, yeah. I see. Exactly. Smaug isn't, re- he wasn't really killed. And oh, it could so have been coming was, oh, okay. back. It could have been like a heavy metal cover if it was just his bones, like just a dragon skeleton. <laughs> the only thing animating him was the dragon sickness, like propelling him forward. That's like, they do that at Game of Thrones, right? With like the zombie dragons and stuff. It and, just, it yeah. could have been beautiful. I was going to say, yeah, have like the ghost of Smaug yeah, yeah. come yeah. back mm-hmm. to like haunt the mountain or mm-hmm. something. You yeah. know what? I like, we're all better. You know how we were just talking about how. Oh, Tolkien's a great writer. We're all better writers. Discard that. <laughs> no, but I like that you brought up that because I also had that same feeling when I was reading like, oh, Smog is dead. That's literally it. Um, That's weird. Yeah. But I I do like that he then like has this other battle because I think and and with in combination talking about the bewilderment of the treasure with Thorin and all that and with the ring being here as well, I think by having Smaug like unexpectedly defeated quickly and then having this battle start unexpectedly, he's telling us that like our main villain, our main enemy is actually not Smaug. It's unexpectedly something else, um, whether that's all of these orcs and goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think he uses the phrase like the goblins were the foes of all and at their coming, all other quarrels were forgotten. And like, it's like there's actually something even bigger than smell the world's bigger than you thought it was exactly and like this is like great a great way to start wrapping up the hobbit because he's hinting hey my world is actually much bigger and it's an advertisement for lord of the rings exactly like, hey, want to know about the rest of middle earth and now? i think that's a big part of bilbo's arc is that he learns how big the world really is sure. like like he mm-hmm. at first it's like oh the dragon is this huge thing the dwarves have this other land i've never been to this world is huge and he goes through all that and then smaug is donezo and now there's like a whole other thing to worry about. Like the world keeps expanding over and over and over. Um, and so I kind of like that he uh, tricks us into thinking Smaug is the big bad when actually there's a lot more. I found it very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an interesting move mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. there are all these goblins coming and uh, the black cloud that's kind of blocked out the sun basically in any light in the sky is this horde of i think it's bats yeah mm-hmm. i think it's bats. um gross um <laughs> terrifying ew um and there's this army of goblins coming and they are riding wargs and wolves yeah um and that's fun <laughs> and gandalf is like hey we it's we gotta stop fighting each other yeah because <laughs> uh if we don't we all gonna die yeah right like <laughs> we gotta team up let's here. worry about the money later and let's maybe not die right now mm-hmm. <laughs> priorities yeah and then i love this it says so began a battle that none had expected, and it was called the Battle of Five Armies, and it was very terrible. <laughs> that reads like the and Bible. I'm like, well, okay, there you have it. Does yeah. it reads very, but like, and like it, it's in the first chapter of of the Bible. Yeah, of like, right. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, God created the world, uh-huh. and it was good. Yes, exactly. You know, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like and. <laughs> It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of like that. He just jumped right in and was like, yep, that's what it is. He just tells us straight out, Mm -hmm. this is what this battle is. Uh, It's called the Battle of Five Armies. 
and uh, it was terrible. <laughs> there it is. And it it does kind of heighten the battle to feel like a natural disaster, like this thing that's going to mm. change the course of the world like a flood would. Oh. It's it, also it, very yeah. biblical. Like he that's inherits nice. some of that yeah. majesty. Mm. Well, and I was I was kind of thinking too. Man, we're really coming in with like a lot of biblical <laughs> stuff here. Because I was thinking too of um the seven plagues or something. Oh, yeah. That that like God sent on Pharaoh. I don't know. I, it's been a while. <laughs> the only thing I know about this is what I've seen of the prince. Of I was Egypt. literally going to say <laughs> the prince of Egypt. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's been that. a while since. I, but like he said, you know, he sends like cicadas, uh-huh, like the locusts and the blood. <laughs> yeah, locusts. That's and it. The... Not cicadas. <laughs> yeah, and the boils. Cicadas right? is what's currently happening yeah, that's, on the east coast that's our current plague yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah the yeah the locusts and then um yeah the firstborn sons being killed yes. mm-hmm. yeah so it is and this is something that um i remember whenever uh, i did i i did a lot of like shakespeare stuff in high school because mm. i'm a nerd <laughs> um and something that's very common in a lot of shakespeare is that there are all of these like natural elements that happen right before something of like epic propor- proportions mm. um and like in in julius caesar there's talk about how it's like the night before they kill um caesar mm-hmm. there's like lions walking in the street and it's like storming and there are like all of these elements of nature that like shouldn't be happening mm-hmm. yeah um but they are and that's that's what's happening here is there are all these uh there's the the goblins coming and these Somehow the bats are involved. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they're like, hey, come with us and add a little ambiance. To the I know. It feels like theater. They're just there for, <laughs> for but theatrics. There's, yeah. there's that kind of Shakespeare, because we're both total Shakespeare I was nuts say, too. You're talking to the right people. Here. There's oh, cool, a lot cool. of that throughout Tolkien. Like we spend a whole episode talking about the old man trope in Elizabethan drama. Right. About, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about with Julius Caesar of the guy who comes in, usually says something prophetic and then leaves. That that's the position Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah, and he's <laughs> exactly. in that in the last chapter, and he occupies that spot in between being Gandalf the White and Gandalf the Grey. Like I, I love reading that kind of stuff yeah. into this story. Well, it makes sense. I mean, if Tolkien is a like traditionally educated English scholar oh, yeah. in the early 20th century, mm-hmm. he's going to be very well versed in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense for him to include elements like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really fun. Yeah, and so all of this is happening because the goblins. I mean, they they like hated the dwarves, you know, to begin with. Mm-hmm. But ever since they killed the great goblin, they've been after them. Sorry, there's a helicopter. Um, <laughs> and so they've been coming to uh, kill the dwarves. And then they heard, like, along the way, they heard about the death of Smaug. And they're like, oh, that's good news for us, I guess. I don't know how, but it is. <laughs> Yay. Um, and then it says, <laughs> so it says, not even the ravens knew of their coming until they came out in the broken lands, which divided the lonely mountain from the hills behind. How much Gandalf knew <laughs> cannot be said. And I'm like, but can it? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's that kind of thing that drives me nuts with Gandalf. I'm like, can we just know what he knows? (laughs) But it is plain that he had not expected this sudden assault. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, is it though? Because he says in, in the previous chapter, he tells, let me flip to it. He tells Bilbo, there is news brewing that even the ravens have not heard. And I remember saying for that episode, like, okay, well, it seems it seems like you're implying that you know news that no one else knows. Yeah. yeah. And then here it is saying that not even the ravens knew. Which side note? How do you miss like a a 
a army of goblins riding on wolves and wolves. <laughs> That's very true. And a swarm of bats. <laughs> How does how do you miss that? No, that's... How does no one see that? <laughs> yeah, you know. And I I will say without like without spoiling anything, I think the movie addresses a lot of that really well. I don't know how canonically <laughs> correct it is, but it addresses it in a I feel a satisfying way. He he feels so overpowered, Gandalf. Like it's it's a good way of indirectly hyping up your villains if you can for once for five seconds have Gandalf not know something. Because it, it makes whoever's yeah. on the other side look more capable. And like, had they not put in that thing in the previous chapter where he's like, there are things happening that not even the Ravens know. And then it says now, not even the Ravens knew that this was happening. And how much Gandalf knew cannot be said. <laughs> if it hadn't been for those details, I would have been, you know, I would have been <laughs> fine to be like, oh, okay, obviously Gandalf didn't know that this was happening. That wouldn't have even crossed my mind. But I'm like, Tolkien, you literally set it up. Yeah. <laughs> that... Gandalf perhaps knew something was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what he's doing there. I feel I feel like it's just a very much a um like a drink more old teen moment of like my Gandalf character, he's really cool and you could learn more about him at another time. Like I think he's just trying to like give him this air of mystery that we'll never understand. Well, what if he's lying? We, we talked Who? about Gandalf being like some of his magic being controlling the weather. There's no mention later on of like people having to fight off bats. Maybe he's just creating those like he's making weird clouds to just focus Thorin and the dwarves. Like, there's a possibility that he is just creating ambiance. Oh, sure. That's a good point. <laughs> that would be really like, weird. Thorin... He's dramatic. Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and Thorin rises to the occasion and has his own big dramatic entrance. That's true. Like, clearly it works if that's what he was doing. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But, but yes, whether or not Gandalf knew what was happening... Mm. It's too late now. It's here. It's already happening. Yep. So the plan is to trap the goblins in like the valley of the mountain somehow. Mm-hmm. And then they get like the higher ground or something. Again, this is where Tolkien goes into more like war and like battle This tactics. is where I, I tune out a bit in this. I'm like, I generally <laughs> yeah, understand. I do the okay. same thing too. Yeah, like battle going yeah. good, battle going bad. That's kind of how it goes for me. Yeah. That's literally all I do is I check to make sure I'm like has anyone been shot at like any of our main characters have they been killed yeah like is it is it going in their favor yeah no okay yeah like even like uh, I'm thinking of like Game of Thrones like the battle of the bastards it's this like really big deal battle episode and like the directors and like writers like really pulled from like Roman battle strategies and did all this stuff. And like, I watched it and I was like, this is a great episode. This battle is cool, but I don't know. I just, did, a lot of that was lost. And on you me. do get numb to it, even if it's directed beautifully and acted well, like yeah. you get numb to it after like 30 seconds. Yeah. You're like, okay, more fighting. And like this season, <laughs> season two of Game of Thrones spends the entire season building up this one battle at the end. I think Tolkien's smarter to have this battle just come out of nowhere because Maybe you don't already have that fatigue going in. Right. But already we're getting yeah. antsy like two paragraphs in. That's true. Like maybe it's good that it's only a few pages long, mm-hmm. this whole battle, which is like a big deal, but you don't need that yeah, many that's details. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that like I, it's very hard to read like action, action sequences. You know, this is something where any, pretty much any book to movie adaptation, the movie will do better because it's always going to be easier to watch a battle happening than read about it. Definitely, Um, yeah. So, like, for that, it is... 
it, it's very good that like he he didn't go into too much detail, mm-hmm. but he he still has to you know <laughs> set up these details of describing like what the battle was like and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're it, it is a good length that we're not like. Okay, we get it. They're they're, they're fighting. Yeah, like all right, things are moving. Can okay. I skip to the next chapter? Like, what's happening? Again? Sure. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it says it was a terrible battle. <laughs> uh, this is uh, but it says that this is the most dreadful of all of Bilbo's experiences, and this is absolutely terrifying for him to witness. But like later on in life, this was his favorite thing to tell a story about. I really like which that. I get. <laughs> I get like, yeah, guys, I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like telling, you know, like in the moment, it's really awful. But like mm-hmm. when you look back on it, you're like, wow, that was amazing I that I was there. It'll be like when our kids ask and like our grandkids ask us about about the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, obviously, it was terrible to live through the worst. But <laughs> when we look back on it, it is going to be incredible and, and I say incredible, not in <laughs> a sense of like having, you know, positive oh, yeah. connotations right. to that word. <laughs> Terrible, but great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like it is going to be incredible to look back on this and think like we live through such a historic mm-hmm. time in our lives. For sure. Well, and it's funny. Unlike to, anything else. Right. And like, well, and Bilbo, what's so funny about that, too, is that Bilbo is not participating at all. He's no. literally hiding. That's yeah. <laughs> so it says, yeah, he he's like very proud of himself later on in life that he was here for this battle. And then it's like an afterthought. It says, actually, I may say he put on his ring early in the business and vanished from sight, if not from all danger. Yep. He's just like, <laughs> like, nope. Oh, and yeah, he did. He did put the ring on and turn invisible and hide from everything. But uh, <laughs> and he is minor minor detail. Like he is. He starts off as like this Winnie the Pooh character with his perfect little house in the woods but i feel like when you get to murkwood and he's killing big spiders there's like he's capable as a fighter he's not amazing yeah but in this battle he knows his limits like yeah. he could have been an invisible assassin oh true he could have uh, used yeah, the he, ring and still killed orcs. or he could have like gone and like tried to rally frodo and the other dwarves into helping i mean they get there eventually but frodo. he Oh, gosh, Lord. <laughs> Thorin. Okay, I have the hardest time because all these character names are the same. Do you know how many times no, I've said You don't have to Sauron defend or explain and anything to me. <laughs> um, I, so uh, I've been listening to Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan's oh, podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I highly, I wasn't like, I mean, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll like check it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure. I was like, I don't think I'll be like super into it because I don't want to hear. I don't want to listen to a Lord of the Rings podcast when I do a Lord of the Rings podcast. That's fair. It feels like But work. it's literally <laughs> just like them being friends on a podcast. <laughs> wow. It's so enjoyable to listen to. I really recommend it, um, everyone listening. But um, they even talk about that, about <laughs> about like there's Saruman, Sauron, Fro- you know, Frodo, Bilbo. <sighs> Eowyn, Eomer, yeah. Arwen. Yeah, like, and, it's bad. And in, in an early draft of Lord of the Rings, Frodo's name was Bingo. <laughs> Which I can't get over. Oh, no, wasn't it? And his father was going to... I don't think I knew. And his yeah. father was going to be Bongo. Yeah, and there was an Odo. Oh. There was Frodo and Odo at one point. Yeah, he really made some big That's improvements. That's hilarious. Well, and Strider was going to be... 
Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Trotter? Oh, Trotter. Oh, Trotter. Yeah, yeah. Trotter. <laughs> Trotter. That was like a pig. Yeah. Well, because wasn't he, he was supposed to originally be a, a hobbit. Yes. Wasn't he? Yep. Some, yeah, mm-hmm. something like yes. that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Anyway. He's been, Tolkien, uh, Christopher Tolkien found like pages of his father writing about whether or not Aragorn would wear shoes if he's a hobbit. Because <laughs> he's a ranger, but he's still a hobbit. <laughs> Would he be averse to socks? Do you think that's why he was like, maybe I'll just make him a human man and then we won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> I don't have to worry about whether <laughs> or not he wears shoes. God, that mm. makes so... See, when I hear details like that about <laughs> Tolkien's like creative process uh-huh. of like, he spent pages and pages of notes wondering whether or not Aragorn should wear shoes. I love it. He, I mean, that's why it took him 18 years. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. And God bless his son. Oh, I know. For pacing through all of that. Because yeah. we've, the past couple of years, we've been uh, moving my grandma from like her, uh, like her home into like a, a nursing home mm-hmm. and then into a different nursing home. Mm-hmm. And that comes with like going through a lot of her stuff. Yeah. And my mom is very much just like, eh, throw it out. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I don't have time to go through all I don't I, like I can't go through all of this. We can't save everything. Yeah. So like the fact that Christopher was like, I'm going to go through all of these notes. <laughs> Truly. And I'm gonna take one for the team and I'm gonna read all these pages oh, yeah. about whether or not Aragorn should wear shoes. And, told- and he mentions on every single page how bad his father's handwriting was. I was gonna say his was. handwriting was so bad. And so like, And it was all handwritten. And there are notes where he's like, I don't know what this says. I'll never be able to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing, God. (laughs) But anyway, Bilbo could have used the ring to get Thorin, (laughs) I almost did it again, to get Thorin and the dwarves to fight. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He could have been more useful. He could have been a bit more useful. Yeah, um, I have a saying when it comes to, uh, usually when it comes to like reading Harry Potter, where I'll go, there's a reason he's not in Ravenclaw. (laughs) And I I firmly believe, I believe that Pretty much, for the most part, all of the hobbits are, are Hufflepuffs. Oh, fully. Um, yeah. I think Bilbo is a lot more Slytherin than, oh, interesting. than some other mm. uh, other hobbits. But there's a reason he's not in Ravenclaw. <laughs> and there's also, I think, a reason he's not in Gryffindor. Yes. Some people might disagree with me on that. That's fine. <laughs> and I might need to do a, a reassessment of Bilbo's Hogwarts house when I finish <laughs> yeah. The Hobbit. That's great. But, um... Yeah, he he decides to to sit it out, and he's gonna hide in I guess the woods or something. And he's like, and yeah. the narrator does say like, now mind you, invisibility doesn't mean that you can't get hit with arrows or spears. Yep. So it's not like he was totally out of danger, <laughs> but <laughs> it definitely helped him a lot. Yeah. Which is very funny if it's Bilbo writing that later, writing, I know, yeah. being like, yeah. hey, now I wasn't totally. Like, I, I was died. still. I could have. It would have been terrible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um so it seems to be going well. Um and then the battle kind of like what we were talking about how like we pay attention to like okay is the battle going good or is it going bad? <laughs> yeah. Um this is when it shifts mm-hmm. and there are goblins who have gone around the other side of the mountain and they like come around from behind or something I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um and the battle goes on. It just says day drew on. So I'm assuming this is going on for a, a while. Yep. Um, <clears throat> clearly, it goes on long enough that they made an entire um, feature link uh, a film about <laughs> it. You know? movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and 
Again, with the you, you were totally right to point out the use of the word sudden or suddenly because mm-hmm. he does use it a lot in the show. Everywhere, shot. it's like it's a battle. Everything is sudden. <laughs> um, it says suddenly there was a great shout, and from the gate came a trumpet, a trumpet call. And what's funny is that, like, literally just before this, I was thinking, "Hey, I wonder what like Thorin and the dwarves are doing. Like, do they even know what's going on? Are they just like? I would have loved just like a heart, like battle, 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 and then just like a hard cut to the dwarves inside the mountain, <laughs> and one of them is like." Did you guys hear something? Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're like, no, I think it was just the wind. <laughs> and then just go back to the yeah. battle. Yeah. <laughs> but they have, uh, you know, obviously been seeing what's going on. And I don't know, maybe we'll, we we might hear more about like what happened on their side of things in the next couple of chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am curious to see, like, did the other dwarves have to like convince Thorin to go out? Like what happened there? What what caused this turn of events for them to because it wasn't like they immediately went out and helped because it right. says day drew mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So it was several hours into this that they're like, maybe we should go help. Yeah, well, that's one thing that I w- that made me I, I was questioning when reading this was like, what exactly motivates Thorin to go out there? Yeah. finally? Like, is it he just kind of comes to his senses? Is it he gets worried about the safety of his treasure and he wants to protect it it's kind of unclear um and i wonder if us not knowing at least at this point is because bilbo also doesn't know and Mm -hmm. if we're really trapped in bilbo's perspective but i mean tolkien has broken that rule so it's hard to say um but like when they come out um what does it say like it says like hood and cloak were gone they were in shining armor and red light leapt from their eyes mm-hmm. and i think when we did this episode cam we had said that that reminded us of smaug and having like a red like red yeah. eyes as well and so that felt very like sinister well it's like there's a there's a necessary level of malevolence or violence in battle and i i think Thorin has to tap into that, but if That's you get true. consumed mm-hmm. by the red, you become a big red dragon, and he doesn't do that. <laughs> so yeah, I think he's tapping into that kind of inhuman part of himself, but I like that his mental journey is kind of off screen, because like we said before, he's such a bad communicator. It wouldn't <laughs> make sense if he could suddenly express his feelings in a coherent way. That's a good point. Yeah. I'm um I'm cut because earlier in the chapter when Bilbo is leaving the dwarves, he has this thought of like, oh, like my poor friends, like I'll miss you. Not you, Thorin. <laughs> I'll miss the rest of you. He's like, oh, poor Bomber and, and Bofer and Keely and Feely. Like I'll miss all of them. Mm-hmm. And it also in previous chapters kind of implies that like the rest of the dwarves are just kind of like going along with what Thorin is mm-hmm. doing and saying. Like they don't necessarily agree with him but they also don't want to go against him yeah i think so kind of part of me kind of kind of feels like maybe um or at least i like imagining that maybe this is what happened where they heard this battle going on and the rest of the dwarves are like we have to go help like those are our you know like forget the men and the elves like those are our cousins and our uncles and whoever because all the dwarves are somehow related you know (laughs) they're all like second cousins four times removed um and like we have to go help and Thorin maybe took some convincing from them and it took them to like talk him down from this 
you know, like negative state of mind that he had been in from from the treasure. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I don't know. Tolkien might go into that in, you know, future chapters, because I know from Lord of the Rings, there's a lot of like, how did this thing happen? (laughs) And then like everyone will sit down (laughs) together and usually like while they're eating or smoking and they'll be like, well, what happened on our side of things is pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, I think that's a fair judgment of perhaps what happened. Um, well, especially because I think you're very right to make that judgment because we get so little of the other dwarves anyway. Yeah. And so there's a lot of room for interpretation yeah. of what they're doing. Um, and that is something that I think the movies improve on a lot is you just get a lot yeah, more Yeah, I was biting my dwarves. tongue there. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to say too much, but you, you get to know the dwarves so much better in the movies. Um, and so I think that because there's so not much of them on the page at all throughout except for Thorin and sometimes Fat Bomber like <laughs> I think making like the call that maybe they were convincing him I think that's a totally but fair you, you mentioned Harry Potter earlier and I'm glad because one of my one of my points here is about Harry Potter I, I was thinking about that like big shiny heroic armor that Thorin finds and that they all <laughs> storm out wearing I think that's the moment where all of their stubbornness and difficulty that they bring to Gandalf and Bilbo the whole story it hits differently in this chapter because it's suddenly righteous and we're Mm. on their side and they're coming to the aid of their friends and family you're thinking of like a knight in armor them having that big like shiny armor in the moment where they're finally at their most heroic I mean we talk about songs constantly in Tolkien they're earning their song here and the song will mm-hmm. mention their armor. And what's funny you say about that is um, I made fun. Uh, actually, no, it would have been a it was a, an episode that I literally just edited yesterday. <laughs> and I'm starting to confuse episodes <laughs> that I've edited versus episodes that I've recorded. Anyway, <laughs> um, a guest and I were making fun of one of the songs where they were singing about like, oh, the dragon was defeated mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And they didn't do anything. That wasn't them <laughs> yeah. at all. And, you know, yeah. and so now hopefully their actions are going to be something that like, hey, when we sing about this, it won't be a lie. And like, we actually did it. And this is the moment they're finally worthy of that. So maybe Mm -hmm. this is to Thorin, him finding that big heroic armor. Maybe that's Harry pulling the sword of Gryffindor out of the hat. Mm. Right, yeah. I love that comparison. Well, and I feel like- Yeah, that's a great comparison. What I also, I do like that a lot. What I also had- scene was like as they're running out we get this line that says in the gloom the great dwarf gleamed like gold in a dying fire and so again (laughs) yeah so thinking about like the fire of smaug for example that fire is dying so Mm -hmm. maybe like his dragon sickness his dying his whatever greed or corruption he was battling with is fading and now he's like entering into you're right like a more heroic i mean in the same way the orcs uh sorry the dwarves arc is sort of done now Right, they've yeah, got like, the gold, and the battle's kind of yeah, over. and this is it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so Thorin goes running out, and he said he he cries out to me, to me, elves and men, to me, oh my kinsfolk. And you're right that this is yeah, he's referring to the elves and like not just the men, mm-hmm. but especially the elves who he had previously been like, no, they're like <laughs> I'm, we may not have beef with you guys, but the elves, no, 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 sir. Right. Um, and what's funny to think about is that in the chapters where we're more, when we're in Mirkwood, um, I talked about how like there was really only, in Rivendell too, there's really only like 
tiny brief like mentions of this uh like feud between the dwarves and the elves mm-hmm. that doesn't mm-hmm. really seem to be developed when Tolkien was writing the Hobbit mm. but you know when you're reading Lord of the Rings it's obviously much more present yeah. and and established that it's this like long history mm-hmm. so the fact that he's even even though like that feud isn't as fully developed in the Hobbit the fact that he's even saying you know elves and men my Ken's folk yeah that's a really um, big deal is a huge deal yeah. your yeah. thing about when when you talked about emergencies before i don't know why that's sticking in my mind but <laughs> like thorin hates the elves because they weren't there for him when he needed them the first time smaug showed up but th- maybe the thing he like quietly realizes that makes him get his act together in this chapter is that everyone here is showing up for him mm. so they are his allies regardless of their right. other differences so, yeah maybe he's like seen oh the elves are not fighting against Dane. They're not trying to get into the mountain. They're protecting the mountain from these goblins. So maybe he kind of sees that as a, mm-hmm. as a yeah, that's an interesting way to, to look at it too. That's fun. Yeah, they're like, okay, everyone else is being a team player. I guess we, <laughs> I should, guess we should, should do that, that now too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everyone except Bilbo. Yeah. I will say <laughs> Bilbo is just yeah, <laughs> still just in the background invisible. Um, so they charge they charge down and join the fight and they're do they're dealing some good damage, but at the same time I'm like, are thirteen are thirteen additional dwarves <laughs> really gonna make a huge difference? <laughs> right. Here? But okay. Um and it mentions that Bilbo, I don't know why I just found this so funny. He ha- he had taken his stand on Raven Hill among the elves. Partly because there was more chance of escape from that point, <laughs> and partly the more tookish part of his mind, because if he was going to be in a last desperate stand, he preferred on the whole to defend the elven king. Mm-hmm. I think that's hilarious because he's spent this entire journey with the dwarves. I know. And he <laughs> has had no like r- relation. Like It was really just like his little fireside chat the day before or whatever when he brought them the Arkenstone yeah. that he like met the elven king or you know right. interacted with him in any way and he's like you know what this guy's cool I'm gonna die defending <laughs> him if I have to I know it's wild it's, it- it's it's like almost a good precedent for Sam having this weird obsession well yeah with the elves I was, later I was yeah. gonna say it also makes sense with he like goes to retire and die at Rivendell yeah, like yeah. he stays with the elves for the rest yeah, of his life loves, yeah. so that that makes a lot it's of like, sense but it's like really dude you spent like a year with these guys and you like won't they're defend. such he's aesthetic like, creatures yeah <laughs> he's like ooh a pretty yeah. house well, and what's just hilarious is the fact that like the elven king is the dude who locked the dwarves up <laughs> I know. just for walking through Mirkwood <laughs> and Bilbo like Bilbo had to save them like all this stuff he like he locked his friends up for several weeks Mm -hmm. and then they had to go through this very like harrowing journey like down this river and stuff just to escape (laughs) and not like not only is Bilbo willing to die defending this guy he's never really met but it's also the guy who is like kind of the enemy of the people he had just spent you know the last several months i with. know I, I wonder if he like is feeling bitter because of the way thorin reacted with the arkenstone so he's like yeah. well these guys were nice to me when i wanted to do the arkenstone thing they were all for peace so i'll go with them yeah but he's got gandalf yeah. on his side he doesn't need other friends yeah. i know like why wouldn't you just stick by gandalf 
Like <laughs> That was the other thing, too, about this little point of like, oh, well, he was up here on this hill because it would be easy for him to escape if he wanted to. He wanted to um, go out defending the Elven King. And then kind of like similar uh, earlier when it says like, oh, and by the way, he had put the ring on at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. It also says, oh, and by the way, Gandalf was there, you know, the wizard. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's like sitting there being like, I'm thinking. <laughs> like, it just says that he's sitting. So I'm like, oh, OK. And by the way, Gandalf is there. And then it says, sitting on the ground as if deep in thought, preparing, I suppose, some last blast of magic before the end. <laughs> I suppose. And it's funny. It's just so funny from like the outside perspective of like, we're having a battle. People are dying. <laughs> you're you're a wizard. Uh-huh. Can't you do something? <laughs> He's just sitting there meditating, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What a visual. <laughs> and, and they're like, would you like to help us out, possibly? Yeah. Like- Rolling up his yoga mat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his legs are crossed. Like, give me a minute, guys. <laughs> yeah. I gotta be present oh right smoke now. <laughs> he's like, he's like, hang on. Let me, let me get my pipe yeah. out. And he's smoking one last. <laughs> exactly. Joint before, like <laughs> before the battle. Oh yeah. In the previous episode, my guest and I joked that this like mission or whatever that that Gandalf left in the Hobbit to go attend to was really just him like going back to the Shire to get pipe weed because he'd run out. (laughs) I could see him being like, well, I'm doing this big mission. It's important. But while I'm out, I might as well just stop by the I mean, if he controls the birds, one of them can do that for him. Yeah, like here. He could get a delivery (laughs) mid-battle. Just get a pigeon. Like, hey, go get me some like Uber Eats. Uh (laughs) He could have the eagles bring it to him as they come to clean up his mess. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, However, I will assume that because of what happens next, I'm assuming he is somehow communicating. Again, this is where it gets kind of vague Mm -hmm. and how you guys have hinted at, too, with like, we don't really... There's a lot to theorize about like Gandalf's magic and what exactly he can do. Yeah. And so I'm assuming he's somehow communicating telepathically with the eagles. <laughs> Our theory, he's got some kind of bird spy network. Like he's in touch with all Which the birds. Which is also how he knows so much because he has that like eye in the sky. Yeah, he's got little spies. So I think he just like can communicate with the birds to go get the eagles or maybe he can do it directly with the eagles because they're all special. Because he was able to do that before when they were uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe he can telepathically communicate. But he's got some kind of bird magic. That's the way we've been <laughs> it's able birds to. birds and weather. Just it's bird magic. That's, that's what we've put together <laughs> is birds. Oh my God. <laughs> So then in the distance, as we've as we've hinted at, uh, Bilbo sees he had seen a sight that made his heart leap. Dark shapes, small yet majestic against the distant glow. The eagles, the eagles, he shouted, the eagles are coming. And I, I just because I've read Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I was like, wow, Tolkien really like doesn't know how to end a battle. <laughs> like... <laughs> And I made I made a joke. I made a meme earlier in this book uh-huh. when they used the eagles uh-huh. of like Tolkien like not knowing what to do next mm-hmm. and like slamming a button that just says eagles. like eagles. Mm-hmm. Just whatever. Yes. Eagles. Yeah. And it's it's actually true. <laughs> and the fact that he repeated this exact plot device and the exact words. Yeah. Um yeah. Because they, uh, I believe, 
not to spoil what happens in in the book since you guys are reading it, but in that battle, so, the people can be heard saying literally the eagles are coming, uh-huh. like the eagles, uh, the exact words. so great. And I lo- just as you can tell from my outrage now, I lost it. <laughs> I think he just created an inside joke for himself, and he was like, "I'll just use this every time I wanna, I wanna wrap things up." But it does feel like a cheat code. Like this is yeah. kind of why I don't like yeah. Gandalf the White. Because it also... feels like cheating when he's yeah. that overpowered compared mm-hmm. to everyone else. I know. And I and I really think the way that we've tried to break down, okay, how do the Eagles really work is like they only do things when it benefits them. They're not just going to do everything for you. But still. But. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I understand. Like everyone loves to joke about like people who don't really know much about Lord of the Rings will always be like the eagles are a plot hole because why couldn't they just fly on an eagle to Mordor and it's like well there are several reasons Mm -hmm. that we won't get into for the sake of yeah right (laughs) but now that I've read you know more of Tolkien's work I get why people are like why not the eagles they've helped them out Uh of sticky situations Mm -hmm. many times before yeah why not well it seems like maybe Tolkien was thinking well Thorin and his buddies coming out can save the day but like you said it's 13 dwarves that's not going to turn the tides of a battle so he was like oh well eagles (laughs) you know It, it just it's not a great solution but also, I kind of give him a little bit of leeway here because this was supposed to be a children's book. And I think in children's books, things can be a bit more convenient. Cam doesn't like that as much as I do. He's making a face. but <laughs> I've never liked the children's book argument. Yeah. Where were we? Yes, the eagles. The eagles are here yes. and, and Tolkien uses them for plot devices. <laughs> he does. Yeah, I think the most charitable like explanation I have for the Eagles is if Thorin is worthy and he gets his like sort of Gryffindor moment, maybe because the good guys won the battle on their own merit, whatever the god of Middle Earth is, is like sending the Eagles as a cleanup crew. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they were totally overrun and they need help. Like they were kind of handling it. You saying without the Eagles they were? Yeah. It kind of seemed like they weren't. Okay. Well, then it's just a bad decision. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree. (laughs) That's the best I could do. We're doing our best. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's up with those Eagles. Who knows? And I should actually, I should mention that I did remember when, when this part happened that earlier when they're flying on the Eagles and they go away. Actually, let me see if I can find that part. It would have been. Because I remember when this happened earlier, I was like, Okay, then. Yeah, here it is. It's um, at the beginning of the chapter, Queer Lodgings. Mm -hmm. Um, After the eagles give them a lift uh, (laughs) and they fly away, it says, Bilbo never saw them again, except high and far off in the Battle of Five Armies. But as that comes in at the end of this tale, we will say no more about it just now. I totally forgot about that. That's so funny. Yeah. Just such like a funny uh, little, yeah, these funny little like notes Mm -hmm. um, from the narrator. I like those a lot. And I think that's what really helps helps it feel a lot more like a children's story is like Mm -hmm. the the narrator directly talking to the reader. I find that very charming. Me too. Yeah. Bilbo and everyone are like, yeah, the eagles, the eagles eagles are here. This is amazing. And Bilbo's like, all right, I can't wait to see what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) And then... A rock falls and hits him on the head and knocks him out. Yep, that's it. <laughs> uh, I kind of liked it, though, because then it ends on a cliffhanger, and you're like, well, what happens? It's so also a, a touch of justice for him not helping his friends. I know, like, I, he got something that he 
mildly deserved. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to see the cool part. Yeah. What happens next, Bilbo? You get a concussion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. I found that just, just to be so, fu- so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets knocked on the head. And, like, I can see it so clearly in my head, too. You know, in, like, um, I, I can see the movie uh, of that moment, that mm. scene happening mm-hmm. of, like, all right and then just like <laughs> yeah it is it does read very cut to black it's very cinematic um i feel like he he does a good job at, at this again even with like the the like the relatively lengthy description of a battle it's not too lengthy and like the whole thing feels like you're watching a movie i liked that a lot there are a lot of moving parts yeah absolutely so that is the end of the chapter mm-hmm. was there anything that we missed that you guys wanted to go over or or mention uh, I think the one note I had that I couldn't fit in was, I mean, it's barely even a note. It was just that there are, there are five armies, and by the end, there are sort of just two good and evil sort of sides. But I really like yeah. the moment where the goblins are happy that Smaug is dead. Yeah. Like, all the evil <laughs> characters aren't friends. I, I like that touch of complexity, and it does hint that Middle-earth is bigger than this story, and more complicated than even Bilbo or Gandalf understands. Exactly, and like when he's talking about how the goblins had been plotting to like take over and stuff, it wasn't just about we want gold, we want treasure. It was mm-hmm. like, I want to like take control over this whole geographical area and all the different people within it. And like it was, it's more complex and it's bigger than that. So yeah, that mm-hmm. that, that was a, a cool way to do it. Especially because I think in The Hobbit, especially Tolkien really like, is it codify or codify? Let's go codify. He labels <laughs> everything, all of the evil things in Middle Earth in a very like homogenous way. Like goblins look mm. scary. They talk scary. They bad. Right. They and have accents. Bats icky. <laughs> they bad. Dragon scary bad. Like it's, we call it the river of evil when we're talking about it in, in our discussions. And, but then like to then introduce, oh, it's actually more complicated than that. Um, because the goblins don't like the dragon and they want this complex political takeover. So it, it, it opens up the world more, which I think is what this chapter is really doing for mm-hmm. us. So I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely. And I should uh, I should also mention that I had been wondering up until now, because um, I knew that the name of one of the movies was the Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so far we've got the dwarves, the men, and the elves. So who are these other two armies? Yep. <laughs> um, and then obviously they came in here, the wargs, and the goblins, yes. which I wouldn't argue that those are two separate armies because sure. the, yep. the goblins are riding them. I know, right. and that's like, what's so confusing is when, when we did this chapter, we were like, literally, <laughs> what are the five armies? I yeah. don't know. We took an hour to count to five. <laughs> we were like, wait, so is it, and like the way he lays it out in the sentence is like, you're right, like the wargs and the goblins are separate, but I don't really the under... bats are there too. Why don't I they don't, count? I know. It's it's like... Yeah, it... I was wondering about the bats too. I'm like, so are the bats not a part no. of the army? Well, like, and what's then, going on? Cam, you had suggested that like Thorin and his group are their own army, but that's just 13 I dwarves. wondered that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because it's they all... Because I was thinking about it in terms of like an army would be defined as like a group of people in this battle who have maybe their own motive separate from other people. Okay, yeah. And so like that's why I would get that's why I get why the men and the elves are separate sure. armies hmm. because the men have this motive of like you destroy like what your your actions directly cause the destruction <laughs> of our town yeah. and the death of a lot of our people. Yep. 
um, can you please help us out? Like that's their motive. <laughs> yeah. And then the elves, they just want, you know, they want money. Yeah. They want <laughs> straight up <laughs> because of, you know, lingering whatever mm-hmm. issues that the, that dwarves and elves have against each other. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Thorin and his dwarves have their motive of wanting to keep this treasure that they view as their inheritance. Right. Um, but the wargs <laughs> and the goblins. Well, the other thing is that we don't really know much about, like, how, not sentient, but, like, how, um, I don't know, like, what the word is. Mm -hmm. But, like, do the wargs have, like, these human thoughts like the goblins are implied to have, you know? How intelligent are they? Or are they just... Horses. Creatures. (laughs) Ugly horses. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're just beasts of burden. Or, like, what about Dane and his army? Because their motivation is to help Thorin, but Thorin's motivation is about the gold in Erebor. Could yeah. they be two distinct armies? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. So then it seems like the orgs and the, the wargs and the gob I can't. The wargs and the goblins should be <laughs> There's one. There's too many creatures. <laughs> too many. They should be one thing. One army. Yeah. And then yeah, maybe Thorin and well I feel like that gives Thorin a bit more like legitimacy if like he and his group are their own army. Um, oh yeah, heroic. you and what army? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it validates like that change that he undergoes, like we were talking about yeah. when he does come out. Like, yeah, I have my army. Like these are my buds, and he becomes more officially a leader. Yeah, right. And like he's yeah. labeled the mm-hmm. king under the mountain. Like when he comes out, is like I think it's like they had forgotten about the king under the mountain, and then he Ooh. comes out. Actually, um, at some point, uh, Gandalf says to Thorin, he's like. You're being a terrible king oh, that's right, right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I love that because Gandalf, you know, obviously, and this is a huge change for Gandalf, too, because he hasn't seen Thorin and the dwarves since he left them outside of Mirkwood. Yeah. And so he's seeing this very drastic change all of a sudden mm. where in the beginning they were going on this journey to get, you know, kind of like get back what was once theirs and, you know revive Dale and this Mm -hmm. land Mm -hmm. and their people and everything and rebuild. And Gandalf is like, yeah, that's a very, you know, like noble cause for me to be helping these people with. And then now he's like, you are like not worthy of being like the way that Mm -hmm. you're acting and like your Mm -hmm. actions and everything are not worthy of you being king Mm -hmm. like you were several months ago. Mm yeah that makes sense i'm such a i mean i get goosebumps when thorin and company come out in the movie like it's done great it's done in such a satisfying rousing way and i can't really read this without seeing that Mm -hmm. but i I get that yeah i just love this (laughs) if it's anything if it's anything similar to Aragorn, this is something that uh me and my guests for this part of the movie made fun of a lot in, in Two Towers with Helm's Deep, how Aragorn has to be the one to tell the king of Rohan, like, you need to fight yeah. for your people. <laughs> yeah. But if it's anything Ooh. like that moment where they go, where they like rally mm-hmm. and they charge mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty exciting. Those, yeah. those, those cinematic Lord of the Rings battles, mm-hmm. and especially those like very triumphant heroic uh-huh. moments, yeah. are really well done. Yeah. yeah. They really do it for me. They're good. Mm-hmm. And it's the extended edition, so you've already been watching for six hours. Yeah, so you're locked <laughs> in. You're ready. Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we have been recording forever. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. Um, I can see that, but I had to put on another light and your room oh, is dark. We're fully because in darkness. The sun... I'm, I'm lit yes. by my iPad. That's it. <laughs> the 
sun has gone down mm-hmm. since we started recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. Where can people find you on the internet? Yes, we are on Instagram. It's um, at Second Breakfast Pod, just the one word. Um, we don't have Twitter because Twitter is a dark and terrible place. And also Second Breakfast Pod you. was too long a handle. So we were like, nope, we're not doing Twitter. Nope. Um, but we, again, our, our podcast is Second Breakfast uh, with Cam and Maggie. Yep. We are pretty much anywhere you find a podcast. Um, and we also have a Gmail where people, if they want to like contribute to the discussion or give feedback or questions or whatever, it's just second breakfast pod at Gmail. Um, Cam's a writer and you can look for his work on uh, at C-F-U-C-L, C-F-U-C-I-L-E is Thank on Instagram you. as well. Maggie does uh, on our Instagram page, second breakfast pod. Maggie's <laughs> been doing reels, which she had to explain to me. They're I've short videos. Well, that's how They're we found awesome. each other is through our reels. They, <laughs> I mean, they. we've been doing this a year and those blew us up. Yes. Yeah. Yo, they do so much. <laughs> same. Yeah. For anyone listening who's like a small creator, mm-hmm. if you are able to, and you don't, it's not, it's not even doing Instagram. I don't know how you make them, but the uh, way mm-hmm. I make them is I make a TikTok <laughs> and then I save that yeah. and I upload it to Instagram Reels. And that like is what blew up my account too. Yes. And I, I would like to think also got me more listeners. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely boost. I uh, The the correlation of our like listeners going up and our Instagram followers going up, it's like, oh, it There's was follow yeah, through. Yeah. It's really encouraging. Yeah. 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 So if you're if you're like a small creator or something wondering how to grow your audience, <laughs> that's the way Instagram to do it. Reels is really great if you have like, you know, niche content that mm-hmm. you can make a TikTok about and then all you do is, you know, make sure to save that video and then mm-hmm upload it to Instagram Reels too. It'll I don't I don't know what it is about like the algorithms of Instagram really Reels for like I, I think it's yeah. because TikTok has just like eaten the world. I think it's also, they're it's like the only marketing you don't have to pay for. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> um uh-huh. and also yeah. I mean some of them are complex to make, but for the most part they're quick and easy to make and they're quick and easy to watch and it's just a really mm, easy way silly. to they're like, very silly. Ours are very silly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of fun with them. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't have TikTok. I'm afraid of it and don't ever want to download it because I know that I will never emerge. I don't blame you. I don't blame um, you. So I just do it straight on Instagram, but it's fun. I think I've lost like three years of my life just in the one year since I downloaded it. Exactly. TikTok. I was like, I cannot download this or I will never emerge and it will eat my soul. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been fun. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Curly Critics. Hi, I'm Curly, and she's Critic, and we're the... No, wait. Our introduction goes like this. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and we review pop culture every week. Check us out as we review New Girl. The Narnia movies. And coming very soon, Harry Potter. New episodes out every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts or on WBNE.org. And don't forget, beavers aren't real. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore different tiers and perks that are available. And you can become a sponsor like Mots. Mots. Wonderful human being, Mots. Thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. I very much appreciate it.
And now for some exciting announcements. The first is that I will be participating in Podbean Storytelling Podcast Week. This is from July 21st to the 25th. And specifically, I will be on a panel on July 24th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time called Patron of the Arts, the Fandom and Communities of Favorite Fiction. And I will be joined by Jeffrey Craner of Within the Wires and Welcome to Nightville and all of that wonderful universe. And I can't believe I'm going to be speaking on a panel with him. That is absolutely surreal. And I never would have imagined that two years ago, um, as well as Elijah Bailey from a little bit of anime in Blackened Studios. So I'm really excited to get to speak with awesome creators about fandom and these really awesome works of fiction that we all love. So you can, again, tune into that on July 24th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can tune in throughout the rest of the week for lots of other exciting events and panels. And my listeners can get a free pass for Storytelling Podcast Week by using the code JRR, as in Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin. Um, Use the code JRR for a free pass and use the link in the episode description to redeem that. And the second announcement is I would like for you to submit questions. I need questions for two different things. So the first is that I will be recording for my post-Hobbit book pre-Hobbit movie (laughs) Q&A. So if you have any questions for me about, you know, predictions for the movies uh, or thoughts about the Hobbit book now that I've finished it, please submit those to TolkienAboutPod at gmail.com. I will also be posting on the social media at TolkienAboutPod. Follow on Twitter and Instagram um, if you want to submit questions there. But please keep in mind that I obviously I haven't seen the Hobbit movies yet. So please don't ask a question that might spoil or or give away what happens. And then the second group of questions that I'm calling for is for an episode, knock on wood, if we can get all of our schedules aligned, that I'm going to do with Tyler and Ethan. I don't really know exactly what we're going to talk about. I just asked them if they could record something with me because we're coming up on the two-year anniversary mark. And I'd also like to have some kind of a episode spacer between ending the books and starting the movies. And it just worked out with the timeline of everything that it's about, you know, the two-year anniversary of the podcast. Um. But whenever the three of us get on a recording together, it's always a fun time. So submit any questions you have for the three of us. Just any questions. I don't really know. We might not even answer all of those questions, but I figured it might be fun to do a little Q&A sesh with the three of us. Might be nice to help guide some of our conversations since we tend to have chaotic energy when we're all together. But um, it'll be a fun time. Well, thank you so much for having us on. This has been absolutely so much fun. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any parting words for the audience? Uh, if there's ever a battle, don't put on a ring and hide because it's a bit cowardly <laughs> and disrespectful to your friends. That's what I would say. <laughs> do better than the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>